0: Reasons for Praise from Psalm 103. So this morning as we come to the the last Sunday of the year, we're going to have a look at uh, this beautiful, wonderful psalm of praise and thanksgiving to God. And I think of all the the praise psalms that are in the book of Psalms, and there's quite a few of them, Many consider one hundred and three to be the the Mount Everest, the, the peak, if you will, of the praise psalms. It's a good psalm to just bring to mind when you're going through those tough times and when you're when you're struggling. It's a good psalm to think about, to come to mind when things are going well. It is a it is a psalm for all seasons of our lives. It is a Psalm of David that he wrote in his later years as he was now a more mature, seasoned warrior, mellowed, carried the scars of battle and even carried the scars of his own sin and experienced the forgiveness and love of God in his own life, the goodness of God over his rather eventful life. And so he did it with a heart full of gratitude. They say that if you ever find yourself in a rut and all you seem to do is complain, always cranky and all that type of stuff, having trouble praising the Lord, then, like I said, you have to turn to this psalm and start to reflect on the goodness of God. Spurgeon once said that we have a tendency to write our blessings in the sand but we engrave our complaints in marble. It should be the other way around. We have to turn that around. Now unlike many of the other Psalms that David and others have written this one If you notice, it doesn't make any requests or make any complaints. There are psalms for those as well, the laments. This is simply pure, unadulterated praise. So, verse 1, full praise. Praise the Lord, O my soul. All my inmost being praise His holy name. This first verse sets the tone for what is to follow. Another uh, version has, one version has praised the Lord, another version has blessed the Lord, O my soul. He, here King David strains his, his entire being. He says, everything, everything that is within me, every cell, every muscle, every organ, every thought, every, everything, I, I want it to direct praise to God. He loves the Creator with his heart, with his soul, with all his strength. And if by any chance he wakes up a little bit lethargic, oh, I don't feel like praising God today. That's just the way I feel, you know. He commands his inner being come on, let's do this. Get up. Praise God. Something wonderful about this psalm is the ever-growing expansiveness of praise. He starts with himself and concludes the psalm by inviting the rest of creation, the seen, the unseen, the physical world, the spiritual world, the universe itself, to praise God. So what are the reasons for us to praise the Lord? Let's look at five reasons. First of all, his benefits, verses 2 to 5. Praise the Lord, all my soul, and forget not all his benefits. A recurring difficulty on our journey of life is becoming so so focused on the present moment, the present dilemmas, the present struggle, like the ingrown toenail. The, the little sore, the little muscle that strains. And all we think about is that little muscle. Oh, my back. That's it. That's all your life is reduced to the back pain. The, all, everything is focused on that thing that, that you forget all that you already have. Is there anything else working right in your life? Well, now that you mention it, you don't. Have, you, you see, the problem for us is that we. You don't have to be old. You don't have to get too old to start forgetting things. I, yeah, I put my hand up for that. But here it is. It is a case. It is a case of choosing to ignore, to take for granted, the blessings or the benefits of the Lord. This is why the Bible continually challenges us to remember or in the negative to forget not. We tend to remember the fringe benefits in our employment or the benefits with our insurance or super whatever it is but what about the daily benefits of being a child of our Heavenly Father? If you consider the benefits that we have there. Well, in order to remember, David's, David gives us a list of some of the benefits to job, jog our memory. First of all, he forgives. God forgives not just some, but all of our iniquities. David knew this from personal experience adulterer, murderer, all of that. And God forgave him. God provides a covering. No, God doesn't just, you know, let's just forget about it type of things. No, no, he provides a covering for our sins, not just some of them, all of them. And he has done this by the perfect sacrifice of his son, Jesus Christ, on the cross. The Bible says that the Lord has power to cleanse us from all unrighteousness, not just some all unrighteousness. He forgives. Secondly he heals. David affirms that God heals all your diseases. It doesn't mean that God's child will be perpetually healed from every illness. The Apostle Paul had a particular malady that he prayed for and it The Lord said, my grace is sufficient for you. The answer was no. If we were healed from every disease, it will make us immortal in a fallen world. That cannot be. What the passage suggests is this, that the God who created us is more than able, consistent with his own purposes, to mend his own creation, even raise the dead where that might bring him glory, as Jesus showed. Jesus did this with the many other miracles that he performed. When we come to Jesus, he heals us. He heals our spirits. By his stripes, we are healed, Isaiah tells us. But the ultimate healing, the ultimate healing is yet to come when the book of Revelations reveals to us that there will be no more tears and no more pain. We await that day with anticipation. He also redeems. He redeems our life from destruction in verse 4, or the pit, which is a, a reference to death. The mention of the pit, the pit is mentioned a few times in the Psalms. It can mean living in the dumps where you're overwhelmed with all the problems of life. It can also mean the brink of death. But our Lord redeemed us or purchased us from a life of decay, of hopelessness. Hopelessness is, is a malady. Even in a, such a, a wealthy country like Australia, you look around, the, the, the hopelessness you see in people's faces, the helplessness. He redeems us from that self-destruction that we're so prone to let ourselves go. He satisfies. It says he satisfies. David declares that God satisfies our desires with good things. Look around. Look around. There's nothing worse than living a life that is never satisfied. As I've mentioned many times before, the purpose of commercials, the purpose of ads, of hitting you with constant ads and everything is to create a dissatisfaction in you. You need this. You need that. You want to look like this. Look at your face. Look at your body. Come on. You can do better. Bit of Botox, you know, bit of light and easy and so on and so forth. It's there to create a dissatisfaction with the, spiritually speaking, the trivial stuff. What we should be Dissatisfied with is our, our hunger for more of the spiritual things. Hungry for more of God. Thirsty for more of Him. We want more. More of God. God has promised to supply our every need and He more than abundantly delivers. He does. He supplies us richly. Out of his resources, and he provides us with good things. God's provision is powerful, it is efficient, it is enough. Give us this day our daily bread. No, we want next week's bread as well, thank you. No, this day is the promise. He will continue to supply us, and he renews, he renews the eagle. When I think of renewal, I think of the eagle. Majestic, such a majestic bird. Of all the birds, the eagle's fantastic. The eagle's a bird that stays strong, even though it might be getting on in years. On average, I don't know whether you knew this or not, but the, they live from 30 to 50 years, the eagles do. They shed their feathers and grow new ones so that they... The old fellow's got new feathers. Wow, man, you look good. Look at the shiny stuff. Yeah. Yeah, the old eagle just strutting, doing the eagle walk, strutting his stuff, even though he might be an old man. Those who receive God's benefits, even though they are advanced in years, there's a few of us today, present company accepted, of course, rather than being... Miserable, cranky, will possess a vigorous spirit. Can you live with that? A vigorous spirit. No, I'd rather be cranky and miserable, thank you. Complain about life. Leave me alone. Paul put it this way. Though our outward man is decaying, Evidence of that, our inward man is renewed day by day. If you come to the last Sunday of the year and you say that you haven't matured or grown or at least made some headway in your spiritual life, there's something wrong. Look harder. Make it your goal for next year, Lord, by the time the 365 days are over, I'm going to be a little bit Spiritually speaking, I want to be at that, that level just a little bit higher, thank you. Growing in godliness, growing in, in, in holiness, growing, maturing, looking more like Jesus, like God. but imitators of God. The Lord is our forgiver, our healer, our redeemer, our provider, our satisfier, our renewer. How can we forget that? And we often do... Unfortunately, when the pressing needs of the present and recurring failures and all that stuff does, but in Jesus, we find ourselves at the foot of the cross. We find healing by his stripes. There is a reason why Jesus suffered and died. He didn't do that so that we would live a miserable existence. And there is no sense of entitlement as we receive his grace. Rather, we are overwhelmed by the lavishness of his love. They remind us of all his benefits. But there is more. But there's more, as they say. His justice, verses 6 to 7. The Lord works righteousness and justice for all the oppressed. He made known his ways to Moses, his deeds to the people of Israel. God made his himself known personally to Moses in the burning bush incident on the mountain. I am who I am, he said. Later God met, spoke to and gave his laws to Moses on Mount Sinai. God's ways are not hidden from us, but rather quite evident in that he has chosen to reveal himself to us. Face it, we, let's face it, I mean, we're going to be really disappointed if God created all of this, there's a God out there somewhere, boy, what am I supposed to do? In His Word, He tells us. In His laws, He tells us, this is what I'm expecting from you. This is how I wanted you to live. This is why He has sent His prophets. This is why He has sent His servants. This is why He has sent His Son. This is why all of creation declares who God is and what he wants from us. So we are without excuse, Paul tells us. There's no excuse. Oh, I don't know. There's no excuse. We all, of course, know of Israel's history of being oppressed while under Egyptian captivity. Today, of course, Israel continues to be threatened by the nations around them breathing down their neck uh, my daughter and I, God willing, will be visiting Israel and, and Jordan in coming weeks there's always trouble out there there's always something happening I don't know what it's, what it's like living in a, in a neighbourhood where everybody around you hates your guts I don't know what it's going to be like in Australia in the future everybody knows that you're the the Christian and they're saying, well, look at those, they're the weirdos, you know? Are you prepared for that? The church in many parts of the world is oppressed. In Cairo, somebody walks into the streets in a Christian district and just shoots and kills 20 people worshipping, 12 later on just indiscriminately. Brothers and sisters around the world know exactly what it's like to be call yourself a Christian. Despite all this, we don't want to live simply as poor me, poor this, poor that. In fact, we are to extend ourselves to love and forgive our enemies to pray for them who hate us to witness to them to do do justly, to love mercy yes, the God of justice he will ultimately one day deal with this oppression and injustice and vindicate his people forevermore Whenever, wherever he chooses to do so, he will do that. Thirdly, his grace, verses 8 to 12. The Lord is compassionate and gracious, slow to anger and abounding in love. He will not always accuse, nor will he harbour his anger forever. And verse 10 He does not treat us as our sins deserve or repay us according to our iniquities. These verses describe the the gracious, wonderful, beautiful, perfect character of our gracious God. And it comes from Exodus 34, verse 6. When he passed before Moses on the mount after he had given Moses the the second set of tablets, because the first set was smashed after Moses came down and they were worshipping a golden calf. Moses upset, smashes the calf, so up the mountain again, we get another set. And God forgives. God was going to wipe them out. God forgives. God is the one who has been wronged. Yet he is the one who tempers his wrath but he also tempers his justice. Unlike his love which abounds. His love abounds. We're going to talk about that. His anger has a limit, and he will not carry it any longer than is necessary and he, although although he is a god of justice, think about this: he apparently deals unjustly with his people by not punishing them according to their sins. This declaration looks towards the cross doesn 't it? You and I cry out for justice. How is it that an idiot just come out of a methadone clinic is allowed to drive, for goodness sake, and then just go across the road and smash and and destroy a family? How is that possible? And you cry out for justice. But what if that idiot who was coming over a methadone clinic was your son? I was like, okay, God, well, let's not get too upset now. Just please have mercy on him. You see, if if it's close to family, we want God to deal in in a one way, and if it's somebody we don't know, we want Him to just come down with a hammer and just destroy them for goodness sake. Our justice is varies, doesn't it? Nah, I was only going over the speed limit by, you know, 70 kilometres an hour. That's not too bad. I had total control of the vehicle, Your Honour. Please. Here's my character references and all. Come on, guys. We, if, if we want God to deal justly with us, we are doomed. Totally doomed. That's why we, we, we plead for him to temper his anger to please deal with us with mercy, not with justice. So when we cry out for justice, just think about it a little bit more, of of the tragedy of sin and how it destroys people. So we have to praise him not only for the things he has done, but also for the things he has not done. He will not always accuse, nor will he harbour his anger. He does not treat us as our sins deserve. Praise God for the things that sometimes he does not do. That is grace. That's grace. So don't limit our praises only for what the Lord has done, but also for what he hasn't done. now we try to come to grips with a spatial understanding of his grace first the vertical dimension as high as the heavens are above the earth how high are the heavens above the earth well we don't actually know we don't know where the edge of the universe is secondly the horizontal dimension what is the distance between east and west well we don't actually know that either you can't actually look at east and west at the same time. You have to be facing one way, you have to be facing the other way. You cannot do it both at the same time. You'll never find a spot where east and west are actually next to each other. In going west, you never find east. You know, Christopher Columbus sort of proved that east goes on forever, west goes on forever, they never meet. You can't get farther than that. That's how far God does things, as far as the east is from the west. Well, what difference does this make? Well, when you're reading scripture that your sins are forgiven, they are separated from you as far as the east is from the west you are assured that they are an immeasurable immeasurable distance away, gone forever. If that's not enough, try this. God says, I, even I, in Isaiah 43, I, even I, am who blots out your transgressions for my own sake, and I will not remember your sins. So why is it that we continually, even those sins for which we have asked forgiveness, why do they... Do we continually open that lock up and say, can we just revisit those old sins again? Please. Because I'm missing them. Because I want to feel miserable again. Please. I really feel good when I'm feeling miserable. You see, it doesn't make sense. If God has forgiven you, why bring it up? Worse still. The enemy is the accuser who brings it up, and sometimes he might even use somebody else to bring those issues. Ah, oh, you're an idiot. I don't trust you. He's just one of those preachers, you know. It just goes on. I say, well, fallen human being, yes, forgiven by God, but please don't let the accuser have the day, the last say on your life. So I am saddened, in the light of all of this, I am saddened to see how many of us who, who know and have tasted that the Lord is good continue to presume on His love and forget about His justice. And just because, you know, we go from one extreme to the other, just because God is love, He cannot do anything but love them. But remember, the Scriptures also say that discipline is a very important part of love. As parents with their children know all about that leather belts and all of that. I can see just see my mother chasing me down the street. She did it because she loved me. No, not that way, mum. Just love just hug me, okay? The worst thing she could have done is just let me be. God won't do that. If he loves you, he's going to pursue you. From the life of David, we know that God forgave his sin but still took the life of his innocent son. God of love, he certainly is, but also a God of righteousness and justice. His compassion, verses 13 to 18, as a father has compassion on his children, so the Lord has compassion on those who fear him. For he knows how we are formed. He remembers that we are dust. It is good that God knows exactly what we are like. Not only that, but Jesus came to live in our skin. So he knows firsthand what life is like. A human is like a a grass or a flower. He flourishes like a flower. It's beautiful for a couple of days, maybe even a week. Enjoying the beauty of life, the admiration of everybody who walks around and says, wow, look how beautiful you are. But all too brief, all too soon. Uprooted by the winds of life. But man's The, the fact that we are temporal doesn't mean that our life is, is insignificant. Please don't mistake one with the other. Don't, don't start saying, well, it doesn't matter then. Just, I, I told you the story earlier this year. I, did the, I was asked to do the funeral for a lady who, who lived uh, 106 years, bringing up some of her family actually here, uh, grandmother of the Marufo clan, that even after her, her husband left her, Christian, he was a pastor, walked away on the family and all of that, left her to bring up the kids. She never gave up on God, never gave up on her family, never married again, but brought the kids up in the ways of the Lord for all of those years, 106 years of loving God with all her heart, all her mind. In the light of eternity, hundred and six is but a drop in the ocean, obviously, but a significant life lived fully for God and everybody around could see it and appreciate it and say, wow, I want to be like that. The fact that I'm only here for a few years doesn't mean that my contribution is, is nothing. No, I have something to give because I want to give the glory to God. And God is eternal. Eternal. And he has promised eternal life to those who trust in him. So, for all of our temporal nature, eternity waits, but don't waste the days that he has given us. And lastly, his power. Verses 19 to 22 The Lord has established his throne in heaven, and his kingdom rules over all. Praise the Lord, you, his angels mighty ones who do his bidding. Praise the Lord, all his heavenly hosts. Praise the Lord, all his works everywhere in his dominion. Praise the Lord, oh my soul. The, we've reached the climax now of this marvellous sum. Starts within himself in now it expands the call to worship to the angels, to the heavenly hosts, to the wonderful works. It's almost like David, the musician, like the conductor in an orchestra brings, you know, this to a, an explosive finale to this wonderful musical, to the explosive finale of the fireworks. You know, when the fireworks are about to finish, when the big one goes off and boom, you know, the whole harbour explodes in colour. You know, that's it. That's what he's doing here every part of God's kingdom, to sing his praises in an explosive way and saying, oh, for goodness sake, if all of creation is praising him, why can't I? Praise the Lord, oh my soul. Get out of yourself and do it. Now, as we come to the conclusion of another year, we have many reasons so many reasons to praise god let's remember his benefits let's remember that his kingdom rules over all that god's realm is the totality of all things nothing is outside of his dominion no matter how difficult your year has been or even how discouraging and worrying the results of your efforts. Lean on the fact that God is still on his throne. He does all things well. He will give you the strength. Lean on him. He is not going anywhere. He is with us both now and forevermore. God, Emmanuel, the God who is with us, will be for us until the end of time and beyond. May God bless us.